We'll hear argument next in case 08645, uh, Abbott versus Abbott. Ms. Howe. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. The Hague Convention exists to ensure that custody disputes are resolved by the courts in, of the country of habitual residence rather than through abduction. It thus generally requires the return of a child who's abducted in violation of a right of custody. So, too, a naechthiat right permits a parent to require that the child reside in the country of habitual residence, thereby rendering international abduction illegal. Naechthiat rights are not only rights of custody under the text of the Convention, but they also track the Convention's vital purpose of ensuring that children are not subject to international abduction. Under the Convention, Mrs. Abbott cannot evade the jurisdiction of the Chilean courts by abducting the child to Texas and then asking a Texas state court to nullify the rights granted to Mr. Abbott under Chilean law. That's the sound view of the great majority of signatory courts to consider the issue, as well as the central authorities in both the United States and Chile. You would be on absolutely sound ground if this were a convention on the mutual recognition of jurisdiction and judgments, but it's not. I mean, you, you said the, the whole question is deferring to the court's um, habitual residence, but this statute is not phrased in terms of court jurisdiction. It's in terms of the right of a custodial parent. Yes, Justice Ginsburg, and Mr. Abbott has a statutory nay exiat right as well. The fact that he also has this right under the order is irrelevant, we believe, because no one's arguing for — the question is whether or not he has rights of custody under Chilean law, and it's Chilean law that confers the, the, the neexiat right. The fact that he also has this right under the order is, is irrelevant for this case. If Mrs. So you're Ab- not relying on the order. You're just relying on the statute. We are relying just on the statute. In fact, so uh, imagine a, a well-educated American woman marries a man from a foreign country, X. They have a divorce. The judge says the man is completely at fault here, real broader. The woman is 100 percent entitled to every possible bit of custody, and the man can see the child twice a year on Christmas Day at 4 in the morning. That's it. Now, there's a law like Chile's that says can't take the child out of the country without the permission of the father, too, this person who gets to see the child twice a year. And you're saying that that's custody. That yeah. It's custody, and this — and what is the woman supposed to do? She can't get a decent job worthy of her education. <coughs> the, the, all the court said that she's entitled to the child. She has to choose between her life and her child. And, and is that what this, uh, this uh, convention is aimed at? It would be a right of custody, Justice Breyer, that the convention doesn't look to the purpose. All it looks at why. Right, now, now, well, right. Of course, what I'm asking you with my example yes. is why interpret it that way, where all that you have is a, a rule of law that applies to everybody, even in the case I've tried to imagine where to say it's a right of custody, would ruin the life of the woman, would give the husband something which he should, certainly shouldn't have in any moral term, it would seem, and, and uh, uh, she comes back to the United States and is forced to give her child back to whatever this country is. I've called it X. Why, now, why give that kind of interpretation to this statute, which seems to have a purpose that's uh, looking after women and children? Certainly. The, the, the statute that you are hypothesized in this case, Justice Breyer, reflects the domestic country's judgment that the child should remain in the country unless the father agrees to its departure. We don't look to why the child, why, why the well, That's your conclusion. I'm just trying to, to, to get to see if there's any humane purpose underlying the interpretation that you have advocated. And certainly there are two interpretations here. Your opponents will soon present us with a different one. Certainly. There is an alternative, isn't it? There is For an the woman certainly. to go to under the Chilean, Chilean court. Exactly, Justice Sotomayor. Under Chilean law, and presumably under the, the law that you've hypothesized as well, Justice Breyer, that the woman could go to court and ask for permission to leave the country. And that's precisely what Mrs. Abbott could have done in this case. She just never opted to do well, that. Uh, that isn't my question. I'm trying a, to get at okay. what the humane purpose would be, given your interpretation of the law, 
end this kind of situation? Well, the right to determine whether your child will remain in the country or go to another country is a very important right. And it's simply that if that's the, 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 per, if that's the law that the, that the country has decided to establish, the Convention doesn't look to why that is. And the drafters expressly envisioned, Justice Breyer, that there would be cases in which one parent would have physical custody of the child, the other parent would simply have the right to determine the child's place but of residence. But what, what if you have a, a country in which uh, the exit orders are routinely imposed in every custody case? Then it's almost like your statutory case here. What does that have to do with custody? Well, that, again, simply reflects it, it, it that country's that, judgment. What, 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 excuse me, but, uh, I just finished my own question. Yes. Uh, it, it, it seems to me that what, what, what you're saying is that uh, in, in some countries there, there is a presumption that there is always custody in the um, party, in, in both parties. There, there may be a presumption. We've, we've researched, and we don't believe that that's actually particularly common, Justice Pryor, but certainly in many countries there's now a presumption of joint custody. And so in all of those cases under the Convention, the, the left-behind parent would be entitled to the child's return. And the Convention, again, doesn't look to the purpose. It doesn't look to — there's nothing in the Convention, certainly, that requires that there be a one category of parents who have rights of custody and, and are entitled to the return, and another category of parents who are not entitled to the return remedy. There's, there's a system of mutual trust under the Convention. What happens to the, the woman who's now she's abducted the child to Texas, and she says to the Texas court, if you send me back, I am going to be beaten by this man who has a history of being a batterer? Certainly. Uh, two things, please, Justice Ginsburg. The first is that that could happen in, in any case, not simply a case involving an AXI right, but also a case in which the left-behind parent had joint custody. And so to, a, to, to uh, the second is that the Convention — You're saying that the court, in, the court that's asked to give effect to the Convention is helpless that, that it's automatic that if there is a custody right, the court in the state to which the child has been taken must order that the child be returned. No, no, Justice Ginsburg. Article 13B of yes. the Convention provides an affirmative defense to, retu to return if the court in the country of refuge determines that the child would face either a grave risk of physical or psychological harm or otherwise face an intolerable situation. As long as you brought that up, I was just going to ask, and, uh, should, if, if you prevail in this case, should there be a remand to see if that section applies? Uh, Article 13B has not previously been raised in this case, but in any event, regardless of if this Court were to rule in our favor, then the appropriate course would be to remand for resolution of any remaining issues. Yes, Justice Kennedy. The, the answer you just gave about concern for the protection of the child, that applies only to the child. In other words, in the case that we've been discussing, if the, the woman would be subject to whatever, persecution or domestic uh, violence, uh, but the child, you know, every, uh, there's no suggestion of any uh, harm targeted to the child, that would not be a case in which they could grant refuge? Uh, the, it, the statute does, the text does apply to the grave risk of physical or psychological harm to the child, and certainly the, the, so only the only to the child. Only to the child, although arguably there would be some risk of psychological harm if the, the, if what the woman's allegations. So the woman would be subject to, uh, if she wanted to remain with the child, there would be no protection. Uh, uh, she would have to choose between subjecting herself. Uh, to violence or being apart from the child? Well, the courts could also, of course, just, uh, Chief Justice Roberts, try, you know, to, to solve the problem through undertakings and placing conditions on the child's return if the, if the Article 13B were not fully able to address the court con court's concerns. It's that would be consistent with the Convention for the re returning state to say we're returning the child, but only if, blah, you know, bang, bang, bang? Well, in, in, in other contexts, for example, in the context of visas, yes, the, the special commission meetings, when this issue has come up, has specifically urged the court or urged courts to consider undertakings and also to consider intergovernmental negotiations in an attempt to ensure that both the mother and the child's safe return. Yes. What's the law? What is the law if a uh, mother and a child uh, — sorry, what's the law if a couple 
living in a foreign country has a decree of the court, and the decree of the court uh, grants certain visiting rights to the father, and the father violating those rights takes the child to a different country. Can the mother get it back? I'm sorry, could you? Uh, What's the normal law where you have a couple, they're supposed to leave the child in the country, but it doesn't say that. There's no naexiat thing. They've just agreed to certain visiting rights. Yes. And in violation of those rights, the father, say, takes the child to another country in violation of the divorce decree of first country. If the mother had rights of custody, then those rights of custody would be breached. No, by the you're government. not understanding my okay, question. I apologize. Just my question is outside this convention. Yes. If forget the convention, suppose there's just a divorce decree. Yes. And suppose a parent violating the decree takes the child to another country in violation of an ordinary divorce decree. Does the injured parent have a way of getting the child back? There's no international, other international remedy. In the United States, I'm sure example, there isn't, but under there could the be, law. For example, the UCCJEA in the United States, you could go to court with an international order and attempt to seek the child's return in that manner. Yes. Did you attempt to seek enforcement of the court's order in You would United go States. and take the court's order to a tort in the United States and try to enforce it. Yes. And the American court would be under obligation, I guess, to enforce it. In theory, yes. Yes. Well, yes. All right. So, so our question here is which of the two mechanisms should we use? We should use this convention. I know you think prior. that, but I'm still worried about my mother in the case that, that you gave me. One thing that, that may give you some comfort in, as far as the, the convention's drafters are concerned is that this was a scenario that the convention's drafters had in mind from the very beginning of the drafting process. They had five scenarios that they I, I read through that, and I'll tell you that on the basis of my reading through all that stuff, my mind is in equipoise. I find some one way, some the other. I think maybe each side does a little overstating here, but, but uh, I, I am in equipoise having looked at that quickly. So I, I, I know, I know, I know the stuff you can, but that's why I'm trying to get to the underlying humane idea that's supposed to underlie that and see if it applies here. Okay. The, the convention was drafted on the premise that the best interests of children are served by their return to the country of habitual residence so that the courts in that country can make the decisions. Ms. Now, wasn't the, the problem that gave rise to this abduction convention just the situation that Justice Breyer brought up? That is, the parent that has visitation rights snatches the child, takes it to that parent's home country, and then you're relying on only the court order. That's what, why we have the Hague Convention on the Abduction of Children. It wasn't for the, I mean, this, this case is not the usual case. The usual case is the non-custodial parent takes the child out of the country where the custodial parent lives, and internationally there was a huge problem of getting the child back, and that's why we have the Hague Convention on abduction. The courts weren't enforcing foreign court orders. That's right. Uh, they were. They were not enforcing foreign court orders. And it's true, Justice Ginsburg, as you say, that the sort of prototypical case that was present when they drafted the con- convention was that one parent, usually the mother, would have sole physical custody, and the the father would have just visitation, and it was intended to address that problem. But at the time that they drafted the convention, they also had in mind the increasing prevalence of of joint custody and included that in the convention. And they also recognized, as I said, that there would be scenarios in which one parent would have what we would consider to be physical custody of the child. The other parent would have other rights, such as the right to determine the child's place of residence. And they did intend for the parent who did not have physical custody but had other important rights relating to the child, such as the right to determine the child's place of residence. But what, is be- the, what is the significance of the breaking down the two categories? One is the rights of custody and the other is rights of access. Because I take it that under your view of the Chilean law, given that the non-custodial parent will always have this right to block taking the child out of the country, then there's really no difference between the two categories because every same father with a right of access, not custody, just access, would automatically, by virtue of the, the law of Chile, 
have this uh, one custodial right that is to block taking the child out of the country. It's true, but again, Justice Ginsburg, you don't look at why the country attributed those particular rights. You just look at, at whether the parent has those rights. And I think it's helpful to think of the Chilean system, in effect, as a, as a form of joint custody, just as some countries have a pre- presumption of what we would regard as joint custody. Does your argument really boil down to the, the claim that this was, in effect, joint custody? See, me, it clearly was not. <laughs> we, we believe that the Chilean system is, is analogous to joint custody. There's yeah, a presumption no, but, that the but, but, but are you but, arguing that this that the, this case is is the equivalent of a joint custody case? No, we're arguing that the Neexiat right is a right of custody under the text of the convention. The court has no. Well, problem. you're you're saying I know the white line side, but but you're saying that every case that involves uh, the Chilean government, the, the convention here is applicable, require and return. If the parent has visitation rights, then yes. That's simply the way that Chile has opted to do it. Thank you, counsel. <coughs> Ms. Anders. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. The NAXIAT provision at issue in this case gave petitioner the power to prevent exactly the harm that is the Hague Convention's central concern. Do you, do you agree that every case uh, originating in, in, in Chile must come out uh, this way so that there is a return required? I agree that Chile has, by law, uh, decided that the, the NAXIAT rights should arise automatically in any parent who has visitation But rights. that seems to me remote from the concept of custody that the, that the Convention has in mind. I don't think so, Justice Kennedy. I think the convention, uh, the explanatory report uh, makes clear that the convention is designed to protect all of the ways in which joint custody can arise and be awarded under domestic law. And I think we have a variety of situations in, in every country in which joint custodial rights arise automatically. For instance, in the United States, when two parents are married and separated and there's no, been no custody order yet, we would say that both of those parents have automatic joint custody rights in the child. In civil law countries, there are a variety of automatic joint custodial decision-making. Is there a distinction between what's before us in this case and the different case in which the order specifically said custody shall be joint? They they say that that would not be a different case in your view. It would not be a different case because the Convention protects rights of custody, and it specifies that those rights can be awarded. The says the custody, the mother is the one who has custody. The mother may have uh, most of the custodial rights, what we would think of as physical custody, but the Convention protects rights of custody, and I think what's particularly important is that it separates out the right to determine residence as the most important custody right with which it is concerned. This is — maybe you can get at what is bothering me. I'm perhaps not articulating it very well. But but the — where there's any kind of a custody right, I normally think there was a human being called a family law judge who has a very tough job, and he's looked at the situation of these two people here and the child, and he said at least, Smith and Mrs. Smith, you're each going to have a little bit at least. Now, but in a situation where he says to Mr. Smith, nothing, I want to give you nothing, he thinks this is Frankenstein's monster. He does not want to give him a single thing that on your interpretation of this statute, that doesn't matter. Just because Chile has a general law that says you can't take anybody out of the country without permission, just because of that, even Frankenstein's monster is considered to have custody for the purposes of this, though the human being who looked at this called the family law judge said, don't let him near that child. All right? Now, that's the no, — don't pick up on my errors in that. I know I haven't stated it quite right. Let's look at what I'm driving at, and that's what's bothering me. Well, I think Chile could have made a determination as a matter of its domestic law that it would be in the — I know there are ways out, but why should we include custody to be a situation where the human being who looked at this couple thought that that individual, the husband, should have nothing but visit them occasionally on Christmas. Why should we interpret the word custody in this treaty to include even that situation, which turns the treaty into a general return the child no matter what? 
Well, I think the Convention's fundamental principles actually are in line with your concerns, because what the Convention says is that any time that the child's been abducted in violation of a decision-making right that that one or the other parent has, then the child should be returned. But the return remedy is not a determination that the child should live with the left-behind parent or that he should live out the rest of his life in Chile. It's simply a determination that the courts of the country of habitual residence should decide what should happen with the child going forward. That's the fundamental principle. the point, isn't it? The purpose of the Convention is which court will decide the life of that child, correct? That's exactly right. And to avoid, as I understood the Convention structure, this flight from court to court and this strong, long, drawn-out process from country to country over who's going to make that choice, correct? That's right. And so the idea is, whether it's one custody right, correct me if I'm wrong, whether it's one custody right or many, which court's going to decide what's in the best interest of that child? That's exactly right. And I think the so that if, is very So that if you have a mother taking her daughter from, say, a country where she would be forced to be raised under Sharia law, and that, that is up to that country to decide whether the child has to be returned, or is there a basis for domestic um, tribunal in the court, in, in the, what is it called, the country of refuge? Uh, can that country decide that the child should not be returned? There are narrow defenses to return, and uh, one of those is the grave risk defense in Article 13b. There's also a fundamental principles defense in Article 20. But fundamentally, I think the Convention is premised on the idea that the courts of the various states' parties will be well-placed. So it's your position that, in that case, the mother should return her daughter to the uh, country where she'll be raised under a system that the mother finds quite offensive? Well, that would not necessarily be the case. Presumably, that mother could raise the uh, 13B defense or the Article 20 defense uh, to return. I know, Ms. Housite, what is the standard on the, the 13B defense? Uh, it's a, a grave risk that the uh, return would expose the child to physical or psychological. Does, does this, this, the status of, in this case, women in the country, does that constitute grave risk or is it an individualized determination? I think it would generally be an individualized determination, but I think the Convention is, is based on the assumption that uh, wherever, wherever the parents started out, uh, wherever their custody determinations are being made, to begin with, that is the country that should continue in the normal situation to And that country is going to make a determination in favor of their domestic law and their domestic system. Presumably, they're not going to say, we think it's grave risk to the child to be raised under our system. Well, I, it, would be the, it would be the courts in the country of residence that would be making that determination. But I think it, the question of which court might have a more favorable determination, that's for, that kind of forum shopping is precisely what the Convention well, Could we interpret the words great psychological harm to include, for example, a situation where an educated woman with an advanced degree is unable to get work in the country uh, where her child lives and has to live under conditions that are, that are really uh, — uh, we would say are, are fairly primitive because of her inability to find uh, an appropriate employment. Can you include that uh, under great psychological harm so the child wouldn't have to go back? Well, I, I presume that you could, in an individual case, offer evidence that might include that. Uh, well, has there ever been, would you advocate that kind of very broad standard of, of uh, great psychological injury? In, in, what would be your position on What's the government's position on that? It's that the defense would be more narrow than that, but that's because, first, the Convention is based on the idea that that the courts of the country of habitual residence can make this determination in the child's best interest and that they should be the ones to do that. We shouldn't allow form shopping. And also because the return remedy is not a determination that the child will have to stay in the country for the rest of his life or even that the mother would necessarily have to return with him. Ms. Hanford, it has to be psychological harm to the child, isn't that right? That's correct. So psychological harm to the woman who can't work in the country would would be irrelevant. It might be relevant evidence. Unless that would secondarily affect the child. Right, right. Counsel, you said in your brief that this position by the Solicitor General is longstanding. I'm quoting. Um, What do we look to to see how far back and under how many administrations 
this position has been taken and in what form? Well, it's certainly the position as memorialized in our brief here. I don't believe that we had memorialized it in writing uh, prior to this brief, but this Court has uh, in the past uh, looked to the government's uh, position as memorialized in an amicus brief in this Court. Um, but we have been a part of the Special Commission since 1989, correct? That's correct. And in the first Special Commission meeting uh, in 1989 and then again in 1993, this issue was on the agenda, and the United States joined the consensus of the State's parties that an AXIA right should be considered a custody right under the Convention. And so Is there anything in the uh, history of the negotiation and passage of the, um, of the treaty that, sh- that, that reflects what the U.S.'s position was on this particular issue? Not on this particular issue uh, specifically, but this has been our position uh, as, as expressed in the Special Commission meetings. And you don't, you don't question uh, what the uh, representative of the mother has said in this case, that the emphasis, when this Hague Convention was before Congress, the emphasis was on the custodial parent, that is the person in the situation of the mother here, that what Congress was told was the urgent problem was the non-custodial parent taking the child away from the custodial parent. That was the, the major thing that drove this convention, and that's what the State Department told Congress, isn't that I believe the State Department's legal analysis stated that the um, typical uh, case might be one in which a parent with with primary physical custody uh, had the child, but the the parent with visitation rights uh, took the child uh, to another country. But um, the fact that it was a typical case means that it wasn't the only type of case. And as as family law has developed over the past 30 years, uh, joint rights of custody have become more and more prevalent. And we therefore think that this is a joint right to determine residence uh, under the Convention because it gives the father the right to withhold or grant consent uh, to the child's removal from the country. Thank you, Counsel. Mr. Hayes. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, rights of custody and rights of access are very different and distinct substantive rights. The Hague Convention makes a distinction between those two sets of rights and provides the automatic return remedy only in those situations where there has been a breach of a right of custody. What Mr. Abbott is seeking in this case is to have the Court define a bright-line rule saying that in any instance where there is a statute or a provision which limits the rights of the custodial parent to remove a child outside of of a particular jurisdiction, that any time there is a statute or ordinance or order to that effect, that you confer rights of custody upon an individual who would otherwise only have rights of access. Well, you can say say that the uh, mother did not have full custodial rights. One custodial right is certainly to determine where the child will live. And the mother did not have that right with respect to taking the child out of the country. The mother did not have the right to take the child out of the country without either obtaining the permission of the father or obtaining the permission of the court to do that. That was a limitation on her exercise of custodial rights. It did not, in and of itself, grant a right to the father. The father was not granted a custodial right. Well, you could say that the the limitation on the custodial right is the right of the husband to visit once a month uh, or or three three weeks a month. I I, I think that's uh, uh, slightly an an artificial approach. Let's assume there's a law that says joint custody. Mom can determine the place to live. Mom can determine the education of the child. Dad can visit when he wants. Um, Dad can review choices, but not veto them. But we consider this joint custody. Under your view, what defines custody under the Convention 
in a way that would justify an American court saying that's not a custodial right. Even though the law of that domestic jurisdiction defines that and says that's our terms of joint custody, but we create this kind of joint custody. In that situation, the, the rights are created under the law of the jurisdiction, and that, and, and that uh, in that instance, it would be a joint custodial right. Right. Regardless of what the terms of that right are, so long as the domestic law deems it such, correct? Correct. But in this instance, the Chilean courts have not created a joint custodial rights. Well, except the, the Convention doesn't define custodial rights, correct? It doesn't give them meaning except in one way, the right to determine a place of residence, correct? No, Your Honor. What happens is the, the Convention contains a understanding of what the parties at the time of the drafting of the Convention understood custodial rights to entail. The focus of the Convention was on maintaining the relationship between the parent that was providing care. And so the members of the Convention — that's a little tough because parents provide care in so many different ways. And weren't the Convention members very cognizant of the fact that in different countries that has different meanings? They were, but they understood that there was a commonly accepted understanding of custody in terms of the party who had care for the child, and that was — That's not the word they use. They use custody rights, including determining the place of residence. So they didn't give any greater meaning to the word care than that. The the exact definition from Article 5 is rights of custody shall include rights relating to the care of the person of the child. And then they they said, and in particular, the right to determine the child's place of residence. Suppose there's a court order that uh, prohibits uh, the, uh, uh, the one of the parents, parent with whom the child lives most of the time, from moving more than an hour's drive from the prior place of residence. Would that be? Would would the uh, the other parent then have custody? No. Here again, that is that is simply a restriction placed upon that parent's right to exercise custody. It is, well, it is. Suppose the court order says that the, that the child may not move from the, the house where the child lives now. Would that be custody? Again, that is, that is simply a restriction on that parent's right to exercise their, their, custodi- their, their custodial authority. What's the meaning of the phrase determined place of residence? Determined place of residence was, was placed into the convention, because that ordinarily is a right of custody. A parent who ordinarily has the care of the child has the child with them. And I would hazard a guess that if you were to ask anyone in this courtroom what their residence was, they would tell you that their residence is 123 Maple Street, that it doesn't entail the determination of the actual country. Well, okay. So if, there, if there's a court order that says the child shall not move from 123 Maple Street without the consent of both parents, do both parents then have custody? In, in that instance, there may be a, a joint right regarding the, the, the determination of, of the residence, which is not what we have in, which is not what we have in, in this case. But here again, it, it is, more in keeping with simply putting a restriction upon the parents who ha- the parent who has the right of custody, their right to exercise that. If he has the right to say no, don't take the child out of the country, then he has something more than a right of access. You, you're talking well. She has the rights of custody, but because he is not just the court, because it's his consent in the first instance. He has a right to determine that the child shall not live outside the country of habitual residence. That is not a right of access. It's important to understand here that, that he does not have a, 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 a right uh, under the Chilean statute. Uh, if I thought the statute says the consent of the the other parent. The, the, the statute says, first of all, that if you, you have the consent of the parent, but if you don't get the consent of the parent, you, you, go, you go to the court. Well, that's so it is, true. Custody decrees generally you can get 
they're modified by a court in the best interest of the child. So it, but in the first instance, it says it's, he has a consent or withholding consent. And my question to you is, whatever that is, it isn't a right of access. It, it's actually not, it, 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 and that's, and that's the position that, that Mr. Abbott wants this court to, to, to take is that, well, it's a right, and since it's not a right of access, it has to be a right of custody. It's, it's actually not a substantive right. It is a means of doing two things, which is what the United States recognized at the time of the drafting of the Convention. It is a means of preserving the jurisdiction of the Court. It is also a means of enforcing access rights. It's a procedural right. It is not a substantive right. And the, the, the Hague Convention clearly makes a distinction between substantive rights of custody and substantive rights of access. But what, what the Mr. Abbott yeah, it, it just says that the right of access is the right to take a child for a limited period of time to a place other than the child's habitual residence. There's nothing about procedure or substance in this. It says this is what right to custody is and this is what right of access is. Actually, Your Honor, what the, what the Convention does is not specifically define either term. It, the, the, the terminology is, is it includes these particular rights because they didn't want to get specific as to uh, what exactly rights of custody entailed, what exactly rights that, of access that, that, that cuts both ways so far as you're concerned because include might mean that custody includes the right to insist on living in the specific country. That was not the understanding of the, of the drafters of the convention, because and, and spe- but textually, that's certainly plausible. Textually, when 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 um, you examine article when you examine article five in conjunction with article three and article thirteen, that doesn't that uh, that doesn't. Um, that doesn't follow because Article 3 and Article 13 both provide that the rights had to be actually exercised. And when uh, you, you read the Perez Vera report, which is analyzing both of those sections, it, it's clear that the intent of the drafters at, at that time was that you had to have actual physical care uh, of the child because the purpose of this of this convention was to prevent the situation that this court has already discussed, and that is a parent who has custodial rights, full custody of a child, the other parent kidnaps the child and takes them to another country in order to seek a, another court order. In, in this case, you don't have that situation. Chile already determined that Mrs. Abbott had full custody of her child. May I ask this question about the term place place of residence? Putting aside the control of the NAICS that would prevent her from leaving the country, just looking at the situation within Chile, what did she have any limitation on her right to pick the place of residence within Chile? Absolutely not. She could decide wherever she wanted to live in Chile under the court order that she was given. She had full control over deciding where they, where where her son was so lived. the only control that the the husband had was the right whatever right was given by the Naexiat provision that you can't take her take the child out of the country. That that's correct. That she had to first get either his permission or go to court and get permission of the uh, of of the court. And even if there had been no fight of the the, the kind of developed, she would have had an unrestricted right to pick the place of residence. A- absolutely, she she had the absolute right to decide all issues with respect to her son. Which is more important, determining the house in which the child is going to live or determining the country in which the child is going to live? For purposes of the Convention, determining the house where the the child lives, determining the issues relating to the care of the child, because that was what what the Convention was intended to protect, that relationship, because you were having situations where a parent who, um, who had a custodial relationship with a child would have that relationship severed by the other parent taking the child, going to another country, and then seeking a court order. And, and there's one thing that I think needs to be corrected here. When Mrs. Abbott went to Texas 
She did not attempt to obtain a court order that would have stripped Mr. Abbott of his rights. In fact, in Texas, the presumption is joint managing conservatorship. And she asked for sole managing conservatorship, which would have been the equivalent of what she was granted under Chilean law. But why would the signatories of this convention have wanted to regard a parent as having custodial rights if the parent has <coughs> the right to veto a change of address within a country, but not when <coughs> the parent has the authority to veto the future nationality and cultural background of the child? They very well may not have intended either of those instances to create a, a, a joint right of, uh, of, of, of custody. Uh, at, at the point in time when the Convention was being drafted, joint custodial rights were, were basically a new concept, and there, were, there was not a lot of experience in the exercise of joint, of, of joint uh, custodial rights. The, the focus of the Convention was ensuring that the parent who had the primary relationship with, with, with the child, that that relationship would not be severed by someone taking a child out of, of the country. A- and that was the focus of, uh, of, the, of the Convention, which is why there was a distinct difference drawn between protecting rights of access and protecting rights of, rights of custody. Rights of access were given different protection mechanisms under, uh, under the Convention as opposed to the mandatory return that was, that was envisioned by right, by I don't want to belabor the point too much, but maybe you could just give me an example of a court order that you believe would uh, give a parent the right to determine place of residence and therefore would constitute custody within the meaning of the Convention. Typically, typically in, um, in uh, Texas, Texas, adheres to a position of joint managing conservatorship. The presumption in Texas is that both parents have equal ability to make decisions regarding their child. And so the courts will routinely enter orders that say both parents get to decide education, both parents get to decide medical issues. Even in that instance, though, the court will attribute the right to determine the primary residence of the child to one parent or the other, and will impose a, a, a restriction on the exercise of that right. They will impose a geographical restriction and say, you can establish residence only in this county or, or contiguous counties. That's in the nature, though, of a, of a joint managing conservatorship or a joint custody situation. What we have in this case, though, is an instance where all of the custodial rights, all of the decision-making authority was given solely to the mother. Not according to the, what is it, the Chilean Central Authority. You know that the letter that was sent to the Second Circuit, I think, in the Duran case, the, the authority within Chile that is responsible for the implementation of this hate convention said that uh, it regarded that statute uh, to create a custody right for purposes of the Hague Convention. Actually, Your Honor, that, that statement in the briefs is a, is a misstatement of what happened in the Beaumont case. In, in Duran versus Beaumont, it, there, there, are, there are distinctions that have not been made uh, by, Mr., by Mr. Abbott. Most importantly, there was no court order in that case. And it, when there's no court order under Chilean law, it is a situation where there is joint custody as a matter of law. Secondly, the actual affidavit and the language of the affidavit is quoted in the dissent to that case. The actual affidavit states both parents have the guard and custody of their daughter and the decisions of major importance must be adopted by both parents. So clearly the Chilean authority was referencing in their, in their affidavit that they provided in that case to the fact that this was a joint custody situation. And they, they, they didn't decide it solely on the basis of that this nay exit uh, statute created a right of custody. Also — I thought there was a, a sentence in there, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that said that the statute 
under Chilean law amounted to a right of joint the, the, the wording the wording of uh, of the of the sentence it, it includes the statute it's like the statute comma the the guard in custody and also uh, decisions of major importance it's it's a number of things it's not just singled out the way that mr abbott ha- has presented it to the court they don't make a statement saying this statute equates to rights of custody it's a situation where they say you take all of this together, the fact that they had the guard and custody of their daughter and the decisions of major importance must be adopted by both parents. You take all of that together as the finding of the Chilean authority that, in fact, um, the parent in that case had joint decisions, had, had rights of custody that were being breached. So, so if, I, if I think, as Justice Alito was starting out, that if the court order in the divorce case says the father and mother will jointly decide what house to live in, that the father has a custody right. If it jointly says the father and the mother will decide what state to live in, that that's a custody right. If they says the father and the mother will decide what city, same. Father and the mother will decide jointly what country to live in, same. But suppose that there is no such decree, rather the jurisdictional statutes of the nation, without considering this family, have a rule that says they have to live in Chile without court permission. Is there any way I can draw a line in terms of this statute between the two situations, the one being where the divorce judge actually focused on the needs and circumstances of a family, the other being where there was no more than a jurisdictional law in a nation that tried to protect the jurisdiction of its courts. The purpose of the convention was was not focused on protecting the, the jurisdiction. I understand that, but what I'm wondering is if, if I, I thought you would agree with me about that, and since I thought you would agree with me about that, you would explain to me how I could reach that result consistent with the language of this convention which talks about custody rights granted by operation of law. Our position is that this does not give any sort of affirmative right to the, to the father, and it is not a right to determine. Because if you take the common usage of the right to determine, it is to make an affirmative decision. And Most courts uh, that in countries signatory to the treaty have come out the other way and, and agree that an AXA outright is a right of custody. And those courts include the UK, France, Germany, I believe Canada. Uh, very few come out the way you. How many come out of your way? Actually, Your Honor, the United States and Canada do. And the analysis that. Well, wait, I mean. <laughs> you writing our opinion for us? Are you? <laughs> Now, the, 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 the United States and, and, and Canada, um, act, as we point out in, in our brief, and I believe that, that uh, it's pointed out in other uh, amicus briefs, the, there have only been seven courts of last resort um, that have heard this issue. There are some 81 countries that belong to the Yeah, but the, still in all, I mean, they, they include some biggies like the House of Lords, Right. And, and uh, the, the purpose of a treaty is to have everybody uh, doing the same thing. And, and uh, I think we, if, if it's a case of some ambiguity, we should try to go along with what seems to be the consensus in, in, uh, in other countries that are signatories to the treaty. If, in fact, there were a, con- a consensus, but there, there is not a consensus in, in, in this instance, because at we, as we analyze in, in our brief and, and, and believe the 11 law professors analyzed in, in their brief, you cannot get a clear consensus of Who's what against it. I, I, as I read their brief, France is not on their side. It's split. Correct. Canada is on your side. But the House of Lords uh, is, uh, has some dicta written by two judges, which is good, but it wasn't a holding in the case. Correct. And, and uh, that's about it. And you, so have a, you have um, Germany. Lady Germany. Elizabeth Butler Schloss in the Court of Appeal in England. Cor- and that was a square holding. 
that was there 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 have been that is one instance however you you also have the situation of the the canadian opinions which are well reasoned opinions which are dicta which actually even though even though they did not return the child based on on, on the ground they still made the, the the decision and the second case that followed all right the, well you can take the the uh, german constitutional court well the, the the german constitutional court in that instance there's specific reference in the case itself to the fact that this involves also joint custody rights a, a, as do as do a number of of the other foreign uh, of the other foreign cases um, ireland also is one that's cited by uh, mr abbott and that one involved a situation of joint parental responsibility. Who do you count for you of the seven, just so I can write it down and go back and read them? Any one of the seven for you? Yes. The, Which? The, the, the circuit courts in the United States. Okay. Any other for you? And Canada. Canada. Okay. And who's against you? The — well, France is divided. France I has, asked who's against you. Uh, against us, it, it's other — than, uh, other than the dicta that, that's pointed out in, in the English opinions — uh, we take the position that the other ones, it's unclear as to, deter- as to how you — uh, You think you one did. against you, one for you, the rest unclear? Un- unclear. Okay. Australia, because, is Australia unclear? Uh, yes. Uh, the, the Australian case uh, dealt, again, with a, with a joint custody situ- situation. And in, in that particular case, I believe, uh, if I'm correct in my recollection of it, uh, the Australian court expressed some reservation about making a bright line rule that these type of naexia clauses actually established. Well, according to the uh, petitioner's brief, if this is inaccurate, the Australian court followed the English Court of Appeals decision that Justice Ginsburg referred to, emphasizing the desirability of uniform interpretations of the convention. And uh, uh, I, I count that against you. The Australian. The, 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 the point that we are making, however, it, is that if you have a one or two or even three countries that have gone one way and then you have other countries that have gone the other way, that there's not a clear-cut overwhelming majority of the other jurisdictions that have ruled uh, in, in favor of establishing naexiate orders, okay. and we'll have to parse them out. Obviously, there's. Well, I, I had one question for the other other counsel. I didn't have an opportunity to ask it. If uh, the res- respondent would return to Chile, would she face criminal charges or contempt charges? There, there is a possibility of uh, of, of that. Uh, there is also a, a possibility under under the. There was a question as to the the. Uh, uh, what what remedies uh, could could be used? Um, there are there are under the Hague Convention, Article 21 provides remedies for um, access rights, which is what Mr. Abbott has. Also, uh, as was recognized by the State Department when they sent their when when they sent their analysis to the Senate in favor of ratification. The State Department recognized that there are mechanisms within the United States to enforce these orders, namely the Uniform Child Custody Jurisdiction and Enforcement Act that um, Mr. <coughs> Abbott could avail himself of. And, and Mr. Abbott, in fact, did file an action in Texas to enforce his visitation rights. Well, if well, these things the, were effective, the, the we, we wouldn't have a treaty, would if, if they yeah, — If these local remedies were effective, we wouldn't have a treaty. And I was, I was going to say that Nexia order, in, under your view, is the one order that can't be enforced anyplace. Now, the the Nex the the vi- a violation of of the Nexia provision could be enforced, but the the question before this court is whether the means of enforcing the Nexia provision falls under the auspices of the Hague Convention. May I just ask this general question? Is there any danger that the child is old enough to make the decision now and therefore the case is really moot? Absolutely. Under Texas law, a child that reaches the age of 12, the court is entitled to consider that child's, um, that, that child's desires. And so under- no matter what we do, the child may actually provide the answer in this case. That also, Your Honor. Wait, does that provision of Texas law override the 
the treaty that the United States has entered into? The one of Texas can ignore the treaty because the child is over 12 years old? That, no, it's a specific provision of the treaty, Your Honor. Under, under Article 13, yeah. the, court, uh, the court that is deciding whether to return the child uh, has the discretion not to return the child if the child is a sufficient age for the court to take the wishes into account and the child doesn't want to go back. But that's, but that's a defense to a removal order. It, it, yes, it is a defense to, to a How removal order. How old is the child? The child's 14 and a half right now. And um, the uh, — The Convention Article 13 starts at 14, right? The, the Convention Article does not specify the age. It leaves it up to the, to, to the determination of, of the particular jurisdiction in which the case is, is tried. However, because this is in Texas, the, uh, the Texas statutes provide that you begin to take a child — Mr. Abbott's still in Chile? Uh, Mr. Abbott is still living in Chile, yes. And at the time when the child was removed, um, there was ongoing custody motions before the court in Chile? Actually, that's incorrect, Your Honor. There was not a custody proceeding in, in, in Chile at the time. There were three proceedings going on. There was a, a protective order uh, proceeding. There was a request by Mr. Abbott to increase his visitation rights, his rights of access, and then there was a child support action where my client was attempting to get some $23,000 in past due child support. Those were the actions that, that were pending. There was no attempt at that time by Mr. Abbott to change custody. Just as I was saying, there was no attempt by my client to change custody. Why didn't your client just ask the judge there to leave Chile? Your, your Honor, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's no further questions. Yes, Thank you, Counsel. Ms. Howe, you have four minutes remaining. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. With regard to the child support, there was an ordinary dispute over the amount of child support that's not addressed in the record and which was finally resolved and which Mr. Abbott paid. The question of criminal charges, we're not aware of any charges pending in Chile. Mr. Abbott has no intent to bring such charges if, Mr. Abbott, if Mrs. Abbott returns to Chile. And with regard to Article 13 and the question about the child's age, um, Article 13 is discretionary rather than mandatory. So all that the, the court in the United States would be doing would be to send the child back so that the courts there could resolve the dispute. Turning to the, the issues about the, the question of de both determining and the place of residence, as Justice Alito, you alluded, this is an international convention. The convention doesn't care if Mrs. Abbott moved with the child from one address in Chile to another. The convention cares very much when a child's abducted from one country to another. And as regards the, the definition of residence, it's not defined in Article 5A, but it also appears in Article 5B, which refers to rights of access. It refers to the right to take the child to a place other than the child's habitual residence. And the drafting history on this point makes cl quite clear that this refers not only to the right to take the child from the home, but to the right to take the child out of the country. In the Convention context, the word determine can't have the decisive unilateral meaning that Mrs. Abbott would attribute to it. The Convention contemplates that rights will be held jointly and requires parents to work collaboratively. So in this case, the Abbott's, by virtue of the Neexiat right, I think for the statute had a shared enforceable right to determine whether their child would remain in Chile or would move somewhere else. And despite what Mr. Hayes has argued and has argued in his brief, it is a substantive right. The parent who holds the right has the right to ensure that his child remains in the country of habitual residence, which has huge implications for the language and the culture in which the child will be raised, and it ensures that the courts of Chile can resolve any disputes relating to the child. It's certainly not a mere enforcement mechanism for Mr. Abbott's access right. With regard to the question of whether or not uh, Mr. Abbott needed to have care and control of the child to invoke rights of custody, Article 5A of the Convention is what defines rights of custody. There is nothing in the text of that statute that requires the person invoking the Convention to have physical care of the child. Can we read that exception there to say a grave injury and so forth? Can we read it as, in essence, saying, look, do what's best for the child? That, that you could read that as a form of a best interest of the child standard. I, I believe that we would regard it as a little bit narrower, the grave risk of harm to the child or otherwise place the child in an intolerable situation. But it is a form 
of the best interest standard, certainly. May I ask you, do you agree with your opponent, putting aside removing the child from the country, that within Chile itself, the custodial parent had the full right to determine the place of residence? We do agree, yes. yes. I, I'm sorry, I'm a little taken aback by your answer to Justice Breyer. You think the grave prosecution standard means whatever is in the best interest of the child? No, I believe it's a stricter standard than simply the best interest of the child. It's the great, you know, it's a, it's, I, I believe it speaks for itself. It's a grave risk of psychological harm to the child. The convention. And you, you agree what, what I understood to be the Solicitor General's position, that that's a individual specific and not a culture specific determination? Yes, we do. Um, Article 13 is simply an affirmative defense to the ones that a judge has found that rights of custody exist and have been breached. There's certainly nothing in the history of the Convention that reflects any intent by the drafters to narrow the the meaning of rights of custody through Article 13. And finally, uh, Mr. Hayes cannot point to anything other than a single French trial court decision that holds squarely in his favor. And when that trial court decision was raised at the 1993 Special Commission meeting, it garnered no support from the delegates. Thank you, counsel. The case is submitted.